Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Thank God always for the privilege to fellowship and to teach the Word. If you were not here yesterday for our ladies' gathering, please make sure you download the messages. It's been sent. Take advantage of it and listen to it. And um, if you're a man, also listen to it so you can know the things we taught. And that can help you to endeavor that you help your spouse to fulfill their God-given purpose. I believe that those who came yesterday were blessed and um, you want to be part of that. Thank you, Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Um, we, we will continue this morning on our teaching. Hope you have your manuals with you on sustaining your first love. Let's pray and we get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Now we started talking about sustaining your first love. And on Wednesday we dealt with the concept of um, falling from your first love. We're looking at the book of Revelation. God's letter to the church in Ephesus. So let's, let's get to Revelation chapter 2. We read it as a background. And then we go to page 8 in our manual and see areas where we need to check our first love. Revelation chapter 2. And uh, Revelation chapter 2. Praise God. And verse, we can start reading from verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write... The one who holds the seven stars in his, hand, in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance, and you cannot tolerate evil men. So we understood what evil men were. These are men that teach you a deception. Okay? We're able to establish that. And you put to test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. Now, this is very important because in the body of Christ, we must have the spirit of discernment. That's very important. We must learn to discern. Because many times people come and take names unto themselves. Praise God. And they go about, uh, I, I, was, I was jokingly telling someone the other day that if you have a lot of money today and you... You can give people, solve their material problems, okay? Give them some, some food stuff and pay some rent off and get them certain things. And, uh, and, you know, just do a couple of things right here. People are going to flock to you. People will not be, even be able to discern if you're called of the Lord or not. Because those are the things we unfortunately use as parameters for judging who a, a true minister of the gospel is. But the Bible says these people have to test the apostles to know if they are truly apostles of the Lord Jesus. It's very important. Especially today where we have uh, unlimited access to all kinds of teachings and all kinds of people. It's amazing that the body of Christ needs to be taught. I put, it, put up something a few days ago. That essentially, it's even amazing that the body of Christ has to be taught who a Christian is. Who actually is a Christian? You know, because we just assume that uh, anybody who comes into church is a Christian. But that's not the truth. In fact, not even everybody who preaches is actually a Christian. Because there are people who, the Lord says, you did miracles in my name, but I never knew you. We, we, must, we must not run away from the fundamentals of the Christian faith. We must never assume where that is concerned. If there is anything that is... My greatest heart desire right now is that the body of Christ would again deepen itself in the study of the Word of God. Praise God. 
and everything else we're looking for, the miracles, the, the breakthroughs, you know what I'm saying, the next level in life. You know, uh, uh, someone spoke to me about something happening and was like, oh, are you going to be there? I said, no. I said, why? I said, unfortunately, every time I sit down and listen to the message emanating, I always have a consciousness that I have not achieved enough. Hmm? You know, there's always this next level to get to. There's always this breakthrough you need. There's always this. Th- you know, sometimes you just have to tell yourself, you know what? I don't want. Just stay faithful where you are and God will increase you. Praise the name of the Lord. Because you, even as much as we trust the Lord for increase and everything, we must not be people who go to church every Sunday and we keep feeling that we have not achieved enough. You know, there's a way I can preach. Even you that's doing where you feel that, no, 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 no. It's not okay. Contentment is a Christian word. I said contentment is a Christian word. Patience is a Christian word. Peace is a Christian word. Glory to God. Patience is, is a word also found in the Bible. We must build ourselves in these virtues. Well, let's go ahead. It says... And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. I told you what this means. But I have this against you that you have left your first love. So we talked about the purity of your devotion. We explained this. Therefore remember from where you have fallen and repent to the deeds and do the deeds you did at first or else I'm coming to you and I'll remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. You must understand something. You know, the Lord loves you unconditionally. God loves you. But if God wants to use you to get things done in the kingdom, you need to fall in shape. Praise God. If the Lord wants to use you to advance the kingdom, there are certain things you cannot do. It's like you have the Federal Republic of Nigeria. All the citizens are legitimate members of the nation. But if the country wants to go to war, you know they will not call you, right? Yeah? You know they won't call you. You know why they won't call you, right? Because you're not in the army. Hmm? If they want to go to proper war, they will not call you. Because you haven't positioned yourself for warfare. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. But there are certain people that have been positioned for warfare all along, prepared, staying in the barracks, carrying weights, shooting guns. Okay? Those people, if there is war, they are the first people to mobilize and, and send. And then if those people are overwhelmed and they need more people, they will not come and start looking for healthy men. When they see some kind of men, they just realize that no, it will cause the country more to transport that person to the war front than winning the battle. So they say, no, you can stay with your mother. You understand this? So there is, a, there is a posture to take to be used by God. There is a posture to take to be used by God. So um, it says, look at where you're fallen from. So we want to look at a few things very briefly. What are some of the areas we can test our first love? Go to First Corinthians chapter 10. And verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. Thank you, Lord. You know, this thing about your first love is something you need to constantly maintain. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he doesn't fall. Right? Let him who thinks he stands take heed that he doesn't fall. That means you can assume you are standing. But it says be careful so you do not fall. What is that assumption? What is that assumption? You, you begin to not pay attention to the things you used to pay attention to before. Hmm? Maybe you, you are the one that used to confess who you are in Christ consistently. You just left that. It's, you know, it's okay. Praise God. You're not consistent anymore. The things of the Spirit don't move you anymore. 
take heed. He who thinks he stands, take heed that he doesn't fall. Always assume a posture of constant learning, constant practice where the things of the Spirit are concerned. Don't just assume, I'm okay. Nothing can happen to me. I'm fine. No. Meditate on the Word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pray. Speak the Word. Declare the Word. Mind your confession. Mind your declaration. Don't just have a posture of, yeah, I have arrived. No. There's still more God wants to do in your life and through your life. You know, two, two days ago, I was lying down. It was, it was about, it was in the afternoon. So maybe afternoon somewhere. I was lying down. And uh, right in my spirit, the Lord just spoke to me in my spirit to call a pastor friend of mine in South Africa. I didn't know the reason I was calling him. But I mean, it just came strong. So I picked up the phone and just called him. I said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm not fine. He was just being diagnosed with, with COVID and it was a pretty bad situation, as it were. And then I, I prayed with him, ministered healing to him, and we agreed in faith. And uh, he's getting better. What if at that time I was not conscious or my spirit was not open to receive that specific instruction from the Lord? Praise God. I remember an, another incident. That was way years back. It was, a, it was in the middle of the night at about 2 a.m. I felt a prompting of the Lord to, to stand up right on my inside. And I got up. And the Lord said to call a minister. And just encourage him and strengthen him. Now, the Lord actually gave me an instruction to call. But, you know, you can't call somebody at that time that the Lord said I should call you. Who are you? Okay, so I sent a text just encouraging him. Just sent a text and everything at that time. And then he texted back. He said, you've saved my life. The, 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 the minister was going through a lot of things. He was contemplating suicide. He had all the suicide stuff. He was just thinking of taking that action. And he, he told me, he said, you've saved my life from suicide. He's still in the ministry to, to the till today. You know, sometimes I go and minister for him and he gives me I mean, utmost respect. I know his church members wonder. Who is this that you are mindful of him? But they don't know. What am I saying? There is a heart posture to take so the Lord can use us for his kingdom. It's not because I'm a pastor. The man whom the Lord spoke to about Paul was Ananias, a certain disciple. He was not a pastor. Are you following what I'm saying? So you have to position yourself. Your Christianity is not just for your own selfish and you have to position so that when there are things to do in the kingdom, the Lord can trust you to go ahead with it. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? So one of the areas you need to check your first love, page 8 of our manual, if you don't have the manuals, uh, the ushers will help you. They have an instruction for you on how to get it. Prayers. Is prayer your first or your last resort? Is it, is it your, your, your spare tire? Hmm? Do you pray just to get God to give you something? Or your prayer is a dynamic fellowship, communion with your Father? Is prayer a burden or an act of joy? Hmm? So if I go to church now, they will say, ah, people are not praying, let me just pray. Is it a burden? Do you get excited when you pray? When you first started your Christian race, how did you enjoy prayer? We're looking at your first love now. We're not saying you're not doing these things again. Is, are they priority in your life? Is prayer a priority? Look at this. Do we still find it okay to spend long hours in prayers, travails, or intercession? Are we still in active intercession for others? Or we pray more self-centered prayers? Me, my family, and I. Just, just break through. I just want to make it. Christianity was never designed to be self-centered. Praise God. It was never designed so that it's all about you. No. Is prayer still an active place in your life? Do you still get excited praying? 
Are you still hungry for the presence of God? Are you still hungry for God's glory to invade the earth? You still enjoy praying. Go to um, John chapter, James chapter 5. I like the amplified version. Right? Verse 17 especially. Okay, let's read from verse 16. Confess to one another therefore your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Elijah was a human being with a nature such as, as we have, with feelings, affections, and a constitution like ours. And he prayed earnestly for it not to rain, and no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. You know what I like that? He says Elijah was a human being like you. You know, many times, when we read of these men in the Bible, right? We read of them like superpowers. Hmm? Like, man, Elijah. Ah, don't go there. Do you know Elijah? No, the Bible says Elijah was a human being like you. He had a feeling like you. He had a nature like you. That means there were times Elijah did not feel like praying. But what did he do? He prayed. Praise God. Do you still pray? Hmm? What constitutes your prayers? What makes the bulk of your prayers? How is your prayer time? Do you do it as a religious duty? Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for everything. Thank you for everybody. We thank you, Lord. You know that you are a good God. You will not allow us to die. So that when we see tomorrow, we have cause to glorify your name. And then you're done. You've prayed. That's all. That's all. Hmm? I stay excited about prayers. You know, I, 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 didn't, I haven't had time to teach this, but sometimes when we read this scripture, we feel that Elijah was so powerful. Hmm? So he said, there will be no rain. That's actually not what happened. God had already warned them that if they sin, he will cease rain. So what Elijah did was just to go back to the law and say, you know what God, these people are sinning, stop rain. He prayed the word. It wasn't like Elijah was powerful. He just said, let there be no rain. And then there was no rain. No, he prayed the word. He prayed the word. He just took God's word back to him and said, you know what? You know, in those days, the nation will have only one prophet who was like their spiritual guide. So, you know what? He just took God's word. Let's, let me show you. First Kings 8.35. Show you quickly. First Kings 8.35. First Kings chapter 8 and verse 35. This was when they were um, dedicating the temple of Solomon. Verse 35. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you and they pray towards this place and confess your name and turn from their sin when you afflict them. So why will there not be rain? Because they have sinned against God. So this was what Elijah activated. It was already there. That when they sin against God, the heavens will be shut. Second Chronicles. I think we can find an account there. Let me see if I can find it. Chapter 6. Verse 26. When the heavens are shut up, and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, and they pray towards this place and confess your name and turn from their sin when you afflict them. So you have to take the word of God back to him in the place of prayer. But again, the emphasis is Elijah was a man who had a nature like ours. What excuse do you have not to pray? What is your excuse? Most times it is your feelings and your emotions that make you not want to pray. <laughs> you know, I, I usually do not lie down to pray uh, because I'll sleep off. You know, you know, sometimes you can do like you're a superman, you've prayed, you know, you're, you're a man of God and all that. So I remember a few days ago I was just praying. I was so tired, I didn't want to get up. You see, we all have to practice these things. There are no special classes because you're a man of God. No, you have to practice it. So, I, I normally play either worship or something. So, I was playing music and I was praying and praying. And I was listening to a message and I was praying. But I was lying on the bed. But at the point, I realized that I was listening to the preacher. In my mind, I knew that I have slept. You know, when you are praying and listening to a message, then you now discover that you are sitting and taking notes. You know that you are gone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know in, in my conscious state, I knew that I had slept. So... You, you have to, because your body will be tired. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you know that you get tired, when you, don't deceive yourself that, Lord, I want to kneel before you. No, no, that's a pathway to sleep. Don't kneel before him. Stand and talk. Alright? You, you have to understand your nature. Some people can lie down and pray for hours and not sleep. But if, you, if you're like me, you will not survive that temptation. Alright? That's why I don't kneel down to pray. You know, people kneel down and stretch on the bed. They will not carry pillar and arrange. You can't be... You are not preparing an altar of sacrifice. Eh? Carry pillow, pillowcase, everything. Then they will stretch fully. They are gone. You have to be conscious of your human nature. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't assume you are super spiritual. Be conscious of your human nature. And if you know that walking around will help you pray more, walk around. Are you following what I'm saying? Don't, 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 don't live your prayer life and subject your prayer life to your feelings. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, Colossians 4.12. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12. We're talking about prayers. A paraphrase who is one of your number, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings. Always laboring earnestly for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. He was praying for the church. Praise God. Come on, I said praise God. He was praying for the church. When last did you pray for the church? When last did you labor for the saints? When last did you pray for your pastor? Hmm? When last did you pray for the local church? And pray for the ministry. And pray for... When last did you pray? Are you laboring for the saints in prayer? Or you're praying just about yourself? You know, uh, I, I forgot to, to write the woman's name. I was reading a book. And talking about this woman. There was no word of faithful gospel churches in those days in her state. And this woman began to pray. That the Lord would send such churches in the state. Over a period of six years, this woman interceded until every county in that state had a word of faith church. The prayers of one woman planted those churches. Praise God. Come and I said, praise God. How is your prayer life like? I like what the wife of Pastor Hagen, Kennedy Hagen's son, Pastor Lynette, used to say. He said, if your prayer life was what would generate power in your house, how much power would you have? Let's think about that. If your prayer life, you know the Bible says the prayer of a righteous man makes much power available. Let's imagine that your prayer life was what would generate food, light for you to cook, to iron. To, you know some of you would have died of starvation. Because your, your prayer life would not be able to boil tea. Father, bless my going out, bless my community. Anybody that is looking at me with evil eye, let the eye go back to them. <laughs> and God said, this one can't egg. If heaven was depending on your prayer to get things to be done on the earth, how much things would be accomplished on the earth? If God was depending on your prayers to keep me in the ministry, to finish my course, would I, would I finish my course? Hmm? You know how Aaron and Hall were holding the hand of Moses up. If you were the one holding my hands in prayers, sure my hands will still be here or they will be down. If we knew the privilege that God has given to us in the place of prayer, it will become very important in our lives. If we know we can change things. Praise God. If we know we can alter things. You know, we sing this song all the time. It's, well, it's only when we sing it sometimes we're conscious of it. Hmm? What's the song now? Uh, what, what burdens we bear when we do not take it to the Lord in prayer? You know, we sing that song. We live there and still carry burdens. You know, it's amazing sometimes you have to remind Christians to pray about something. So have you prayed about this? He says, no prayer, we're talking. <laughs> he wants to carry the burden. So your prayer life, you have to check your prayer life. A lady heard Brother Hagen teach the message of faith many years back. I've forgotten her name also. And she said, I'm going to pray that this message will go around the world. Took that as her assignment. Took that as her assignment. Charles Jesus Finney would go to the whole crusades. There was a man by the name of Father Nash. Three days before Charles Finney would preach, Father Nash would go rent a hotel room and begin to pray. 
and pray and pray and pray. Three days after, he would pray after the crusade. Those are men who give themselves to the greater cause of the kingdom. Saints, this life is just beyond us. You see, this thing about money, you would have it. Riches, everything, it will come. The next question you ask yourself is what else? There's a greater cause God wants us to go for. Number two, the word. You have to check the word. The word. Is the word of God still final authority in your lives? In your family, in your business, in your financial decisions? Or is it just another good book lying on the shelf? What is, do you just look for your Bible on Sundays when you're coming? Is your Bible an album cover hmm? for photographs? When you're looking for receipts? Say, oh, where is that receipt? Say, check my Bible. Huh? You know some people, what make them late? You know what make them late every Sunday? They're looking for their Bibles. Thank God for phones now. <laughs> so, even if you forget your Bible, you just quickly bring phone. So, we assume that your original intention was phone. Hmm? I'll challenge you, right? Even though you use electronic Bibles and everything, I'll challenge you. To get a hard copy Bible. Spend some time on the printed page. Spend some time on the Word. Void of any distraction. Spend time with the Word of God. It will change your life. Do we consult the, the Word daily for wisdom? Or do we walk by the wisdom of the world? And validate our position and choices by the word. Do we conduct our lives and try to get scriptures to cover up? Proverbs 8.34 says, Blessed is the man that heareth me watching daily at my gates. Waiting at the post of my doors. We talked about quiet time. Do you still um, hold your personal quiet time? Do you still watch for the wisdom of the world? Of the word, sorry, the word of God. Daily, not once, Daily. You know, there is a point you will get to in your life. I thought this when I taught in Abuja or on, on the fullness of God, working the promises of God. There's a point you get to in your life that when you see something in the Word, it will be a rejoicing to your heart. You'll rejoice at it. You'll be, it'll be like a done deal. Praise God. Come on, I said, Praise God. What place does the Word hold in your life? Do you subject your decisions to the Word and say, You know what? The Word of God will not allow me to do this. One of the priorities of a believer is planting the seed of God's word daily in the soil of your heart. The manna we gather for our sustenance must be fresh and gather daily. Luke 8.11, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. You can sow that seed of God's word into your heart daily. Have messages you listen to daily. Make it a practice. We have several messages. I've taught well over 300 messages. Get them. Feed your heart with them again. Glory to God. You know, I, I was in Abuja and uh, a, a, a guy came into the service. Uh, one brother, Felix. Amazing, amazing. I've never seen that kind of followership in a long while. And, and he, he told me that in three years, he's, he hasn't missed any of the messages I've thought. In three years. Hasn't missed any of the messages I thought. That's diligence. I mean, that's diligence. Just feeding on the word. You have to be deliberate. How many messages are you going to listen to this month? Get a hold of them. Set your time to listen to the messages. You are feeding your spirit. You're growing your inner man. Praise God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Make sacrifices for the word. It will save your life. It will help you. It will position you to be more effective in the things that you're doing. Look at this. Exodus 16.21 About the manna. It says, after this, the people gathered the food morning by morning. Each family according to its need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes they had not picked or melted and disappeared. We have to gather this manna morning by morning. There's a fresh word from God for you. There's a fresh speaking of God. Glory to God. God wants to give you a fresh word. God wants to speak to you a fresh word. 
God wants to declare to you a fresh word. Praise God. Come and I said, Praise God. God wants to speak to you something fresh. Set your heart to receive that. Set your heart to glean that from the word of God. Put the discipline in to receive the word. Glory to God. When the word is being preached and taught, are we active are we actively listening or taking notes? Or we become so busy with the word, with our phones, our nails, distracted or engaged in informal discussions? Are we distracted? The word is being taught. Are we busy? Hmm? Are we busy with the word? Are we listening? Are we taking down notes? Are we learning? Or replying chats? We're answering people. We're engaged in informal discussions. Sometimes the greatest culprits of this are church workers. Church workers are the most, sometimes are the most distracted when the teaching of God's word is going on. And I'll tell you something. When the challenges of life comes, it will not, it will not Skip you because you are working for church. Are you hear what I'm saying? You have to tell yourself if you're a church worker. That's why we tell all our ushers when it gets to a certain stage, sit down and take notes. Because it is not your ushering that will save you in the day of adversity. You, you have to be, you see, when you are working in church, you have to be careful because when you are a church worker, you can assume you are spiritual, but you're not. It's very deceptive. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's very deceptive. You can assume that you are spiritual, but you're not. Because when the word is being taught, your mind is in many places. Brother Copeland said one time he went to preach in a meeting, and every time he's teaching, the, the leaders of the meeting will stand up, will go on. So the second day he called them, he says, What's going on? They say, Oh, they are trying to walk around something around the offerings and everything. And you know what he told them? He says, that's why you don't have enough money. You sit down and listen to the word and God will give you wisdom on how to get money. Are you hear what I'm saying? If you're, if you're a worker in the ministry, discipline yourself to listen to the word. Because what will save you in the day of adversity is the word you have. Are you hear what I'm saying? The challenges of life does not respond to ushering badge. Even if you're a pastor's child, you have to, you know, the word of God is not transmitted by inheritance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have to learn the word for yourself. Whether you're a pastor's wife, even if you're a pastor. Even as a pastor who teaches the word, I deliberately, listen to this, deliberately listen to messages every single day. <laughs> I deliberately. And I listen to my dad all the messages he preaches. It's for me, it's not even something to say no. If my dad preaches a message and sends it across, I listen to it. Because that's my pastor. That's my priority. I'm not looking for a new revelation. I'm a sheep that's faithful in feeding from the person who God has ordained as a pastor over my life. What's the role of the word in your life? When the word is being taught or preached? Are we actively listening, taking notes or we've become so familiar with God that we can be busy with our phones, nails, distracted or engaged in informal discussion? Do we actually consider the ministry of the word our life source of spiritual nourishment or just a religious exercise? The preacher preaching another sermon. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 Look at this. It says, therefore we never stop thanking God when you receive this message from us. You did not think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. When your pastor is teaching, what's your posture? Huh? What's your heart attitude? Praise God. <laughs> you know, so, so many times, if you maybe, stay, well, 
You know, sometimes I'm listening to a message. It's a conference. I'm listening to a message. And I'm feeling on the word. I'm listening to the message. And, uh, well, my wife and probably my kids that will can testify of this. And in the meeting, they say, well, stand up. Raise your hand. Or pray. Or do something. I, I participate. I do that. <laughs> Praise God. I do that. Why? I'm actively listening. I'm actively participating because I know that I can get impartations through listening to messages. So when I'm listening to messages and they say do this, I go ahead and participate in it. Why? I'm actively listening. I'm not just listening to mark or something. And this happened to me a few, a few days ago. Those, those particular ministry, I received a very strong impartation from, very strong impartation in about 2002-2003. I was listening to the video. It was a Holy Ghost meeting. And because I was actively listening, I'll tell you the experience. Because I was actively listening. It was a Holy Ghost meeting. You're praying, you know, praying, falling under the power of God and laughing. And I was in the parlor. I fell out under the power of God. Had the same spiritual experience. That was 2003. I can't forget that. I was watching Brother Higgins' uh, video, When the Spirit Gets Moving. I can't forget that. It opened me up to a new realm of the word of knowledge. Two days ago, I was listening to a lady, a pastor, Pastor Nancy DeFrenzi, and she is a spiritual daughter of Brother Hagin, worked actually with Brother Hagin. She was having a Holy Ghost meeting and I was listening. And a uh, few minutes before she ended the service, a few minutes before she ended the service, she said she was going to pray for ministers and then ministers should come forward. So I, I stood up from my chair, held my phone, I went forward also. And the Lord spoke on the inside of me about a certain level of impartation that was going to happen. And it happened exactly the same. That's how to listen to messages. Praise God. That's how to listen to messages. And uh, while that was going on, the, the Lord instructed me to go for a pastor's meeting in South Africa next year. He said, I want you in this meeting. And so I reached out to the people. It's not a big meeting. Pastor's meeting probably, the, the one they just finished now is maybe about 20 or 30 people. But that's where the Lord wants me to be in. So I said, okay, fine. I'll be there. How am I getting those specific directions? Actively listening to the word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not just, I'm not talking about, you just play message. The, the man is just talking. You are not even sure what he's saying. You are just here clearing grass. That man is funny. No, 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 no. It's not, that's not it. The word of God carries power. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know why I'm emphasizing this? Because if you look at your life when you started Christianity, listening to message was an active part of your life. Am I right? You went after the word. You went after messages. You, oh, you, I want this tape. Oh, I need this. Oh, but what happened? After a while. Ah, it's okay. Ah, it's okay. Hmm? No. Still have that first love. You see, impartations can come to you from messages, solutions, answers. I'm telling you. I, I, oh, my mom was listening to one of my messages. Then it was the cassette tips. She had one sickness she's been dealing with. She was listening to my message. She got healed 100%. And she shared the testimony. Just listening to my message. I thought I was on a healing school. I read, okay, I didn't read it here. I think I read on a Wednesday. Testimony of somebody who's sending a testimony that she's been having ma- problems in her marriage for like six years. She got a hold of the Wisdom for Living series. And the problems were resolved. And now her home is at peace. The same message. That's the grace of God. These are not motivational speeches. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We are not saying if you acquire to perspire, you will retire, don't refire. No, no, no. We are teaching the word of life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We are not giving you quotes of human words. This thing carried the very life of God. John 6, 63. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and life. Ezekiel said, and the spirit entered into me when he spake unto me. There are impartations that when you, when you come for a meeting, put your heart to receive something. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Every Sunday, know that there is a word for you. Know that there is an impartation for you. 
It's not when it's a conference. No. The believer was not designed to live from one event to another. If not for you know, you'll be chasing conferences all over the town. Every time we gather, God is present to make his word available. Glory to God. Look at this. Hagar 1.12. Let's just read our outline. Hagar 1.12. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shetel, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the message of the prophet Hagar, because the Lord that God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. They obeyed the message by which the prophets brought the word. When I stand here to teach, I bring God's word to you. You have a responsibility to obey those words. They will change your life. Hallelujah. When we are teaching something, study it, go back home, meditate on it. It will change your life. It will change your finances. It will change your home. It will transform you to become who God wants you to be. Look at this. Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul, spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, something, something about the word of God, something about the word of God is this, right? When the word of God is being taught, what happens is, uh, God will also be giving you extra instructions concerning areas of your life that I might not even be talking about. Solutions will just appear. That's why you must listen with your heart. You must, you must be open-minded, ready to learn, taking the position of a student. Glory to God. Look at this. Deuteronomy 32, 47. I like this. Mo- Moses was speaking. He says these words. Let's read it. Let's, let's turn your Bibles there. Let's take a look at it. Deuteronomy 32. And uh, we can start reading from verse 41. 32, 41. This was Moses' last counsel. He was, oh, Moses was an amazing man of God, I tell you. 47, sorry. Bless you from verse 45. When Moses had finished speaking all these words to Israel, he said to them, Take to your heart all the words which I am warning you today, which you shall command your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law. Teach your children. You have a responsibility to pass this message to your children. To teach your children the ways of life. Don't give your children quality education and not give them your faith. Praise God. You see, all these are children, right? All are children. They would leave us one day. Hmm? They are even in the process of leaving us. Hmm? They would go, make their own decisions, form their own. Just like you, you left your father and your mother. Started making your own decisions. It's, it's your relationship with God that would matter at that time. Praise God. That's why it's good to protect your children. But always know that you have to sow the seed of God's word in their heart. You cannot go with them everywhere forever. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not saying let your children eat anywhere they want to eat. Okay? I'm not saying that. So you understand me in context. You see, but instead of making them, you don't eat this, they can poison you. Don't eat this, they can poison you. Don't eat this, they can poison you. What you just do, teach them the word of God. That if you take any deadly thing, it will not hurt you. Do you understand? You can either train them. Tr- I'm not saying go and now tell them to eat everywhere, but I'm just saying that they will eat where you don't know. Are you hear what I'm saying? Instead of making the children reject food when they are hungry, teach them. Are you hear what I'm saying? That if you eat any deadly thing, it will not hurt you. That counsel, that word, might not even be when they are in secondary school. It might be years later when they are married with children and they take something that should harm them. But that seed of the word has been sown. I have absolutely no fear about my children. Not one 
iota of hair. They can't be killed. They can't be poisoned. They don't have the capacity to be disobedient. Are you what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what they do. Those children. They, they have no option than to serve God. It's not that we, uh, because they grew up in a past also. No. Their destiny has been tied to the word. Because every day when I get up, I speak God's word over their life. That's my assurance. It's not that I have seven steps to discipline. I've read psychology. I've understood my child. You know when your child is phlegmatic, you have to do this. When he's choleric, you do the yoga. No, I don't have that power. Before I studied that, I studied teaching of God's word. So I just look for two, three scriptures and tie their life to it. No matter how far they run. That's what happened in my life. I didn't want to be a pastor. Grew up in a pastor's home. I didn't want to be a pastor. Left home. I wanted to live. I didn't want to do it. You know, sometimes because you grow up in church and you know everything about church. You're almost tired. It's almost like you have saved your own term of Christianity. I left, I left home. <laughs> my parents didn't know where I was for about a year. I mean, my, my parents were planning to go and announce me on TV. But thank God they didn't do it. But then deep on my inside, I heard the Lord say, go back home. That was what went, took me home. It wasn't because I was... Because at that point when I left home, I made up my mind. What is, they will disown you. It wasn't like they owned anything that I wanted in the first place. No, I'm, that's, 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 that's how my heart is. Hmm? But you know why I knew that the hand of the Lord kept me and the seed of God's word planted in my heart kept me? Every time my friends planned evil, something happened. Every time we planned to go and do something that's not right, somewhere, somehow, somewhere, somehow, I either overslept or I forgot the time. Or rain fell something. And you know that? That was God's hand. That was the prayers of my mother. That was the seed of God's word. All the counsel they gave me. And you know that you know what is right. You, you know you can know what is right. And say, I want to do evil. You know that smoking is wrong. You say, but I want to smoke. You know at that time it's not counseling. Because you know that this is wrong. But you just choose that since this is wrong... Since this is wrong, I want to do... Since this is right, I want to do what is wrong. You know, when you have chosen to do what is wrong, the counsel of what is right will not help you because you know what is right. It's like you go and preach to a man and say, I serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you would, or you go to hell. The man has said, I want to go to hell. You, you understand that? You, you understand that the gospel now... <laughs> the man has chosen that this evil you are saying I should not do is what I want to do. You know, at that point, it's the mercy of God. What am I saying? We'll do everything in the natural. But let me tell you, for your children, you don't know what is going on in their heart. Sow the seed of God's word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The word is your life. But first of all, how can you sow the seed of God's word when you don't have the word? So Paul told Timothy, he says, I know the faith that was in your grandmother. That's now, that was in your grandmother and in your mother and that's in you. Those women transferred faith. Three generations. They were not church pastors. But you see, because of the faith they poured in Timothy, God could use Timothy at a tender age to pastor a church that was over 30,000. To the fact that, to the point that Paul had to tell him, let no one despise their youth. That's to tell you how young Timothy was when he was ordained as a leader of the church in Ephesus. In fact, the church we're reading about was pastored by Timothy. How did he position himself? How did he get there? And his father was Greek. So his father was not a, a, a Jew. His father was Greek. So that's why Paul had to circumcise him. That means he didn't grow up in a home where the father and the mother were probably Christians. No. Only the mother, but the seed of God's word. Look at what Moses said. He said, this is your very life. This is your very life, the word of God. These are not just idle words for you. They are your life. By them you will live long in the land you are crossing. Praise God. God's word is your life. It is your life. See, this book is not just a book. It's not just something God wrote. So we will know this is our very life. From here we get the words of life. We get words to speak. We know how to engage life. We don't know life. We don't know anything about this life. Forget about your experience. You have no clue what's going on in this life. 
All you need to know is just look at this pandemic. And look at all the many, many, many things coming out. This one says do this. This one says do that. They don't say, oh, we made mistakes. This one says, yeah, nobody knows anything. But in spite of everything, we still know that God's word is held to our flesh. Hallelujah. So we have to check out our posture towards the word. Learn to value the word again. Treasure the word of God. Love God's word. Read it. Speak it. In spite of your mistakes, go after the word. It will change your life. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Your relationship with others. The gospel of Christ makes us see others in the image of Christ. One of the basic tests of our faith is how we relate to one another. John 13, 34-35 A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By these all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. How we love one another. Our love for our brothers and our sisters. How will all men know that we are God's disciples when we love one another? This is unconditional love. That people do not have to qualify for it. We love them because Christ first loved us. When we have received the love of Christ, it will be easy to share this love with one another. One of the biggest things we have to deal with in our generation today is offense, bitterness, rancor, quarrels, competition, envy, jealousy. First John 4, 19-20 We love because He first loved us. So you have to receive the love of God first. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he hasn't seen. First John 4, 10 This is love. Not that we love God, but He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So, the love that we're using to love other people is the love of God that is shared abroad in our hearts. It's the love we receive from God. When you know that God loves you, when you know that God created you unique, when you know that God has a plan for your life, you will not envy other people. There is a master plan for your life. Come and I said, there's a master plan for your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's a master plan for the life of your children. There's a master plan for the life of your husband. There is a plan. God is not confused. God cannot mismanage your life. You know, I rest in that confidence all the time. God has a good plan for me. And I rest in that plan. From that, I can love others. You see, all these things we talk about, success, success. We must almost understand that success is relative. In the sense that success is based... On what God has called you to achieve. If my sister's success will require her to be a millionaire. To be able to do what God has, done, God has called her to do. Blessed be the, the Lord of our, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If I wouldn't require that. I wouldn't need it. Someone say yeah but I like the one that will require millions. <laughs> Let me tell you this right. When you stand before the Lord. You would only be judged based on his assignment for your life. Praise God. You know, um, you know how many of you had teachers, uh, parents who were teachers? Hmm? My, my, my dad was, was a teacher. So you have what you call marking scheme, right? How many of you know what marking scheme is? Okay. Okay, if you don't have parents who were teachers, have you heard of marking scheme before? Okay, what's marking scheme? Is a scheme that marks. Okay, what's marking scheme? That's the standard by which what? Your examination is marked. Okay, do you know what is OP? You know what is OP when you're marking scheme? Out of points. Okay. You know what out of point means? That you can write a full booklet. Hmm? For instance, they say, explain. Uh, what is culture? Define three elements of culture and identify three cultural values in Nigeria. So, what's culture? Way of life of a people, right? Three, three elements of culture food, dressing, and uh, language. Identify three cultural zones in the country. So, you take Yoruba, Hausa, Igbos. 
But you now decide. That's, that's, the, that's the marking scheme, right? That will give you 100%. You now decide. That culture is the types of cars that are produced in a nation. Three elements of culture. Toyota. <laughs> Mercedes. And Lexus. Hmm? <laughs> so identify you just say in the north they drive Toyota. In the south they drive Jeep. In Lagos they drive now in, you you can come out of that example and say I finished them. I was even thinking they would ask us something more serious. And I say, forget. Say, let's, what did you write? Say, forget it. Let's, what's the, when is the next paper? That's your... That's, but you know, when the le- lecturer picks... Now, you see, you see, it's very simple. In, in school, they'll tell you, understand the question. Because immediately, your understanding of the question is wrong. Your answer automatically... See, the fact that you got culture wrong means that you can't get the element right. I hear what I'm saying. Uh, so if you say, for instance, culture is the type of cars that are driven in a nation, there's no how your mind will go to food. Because by getting the question wrong, you have shut your brain to the possibilities of the right answer. So the first thing you teach every student is understand the question. Understand the question. It's the same thing. If you don't understand your purpose, every pursuit will be wrong. I hear what I'm saying. If you don't understand why God created you, forget it. You'll get the elements wrong. So the first thing in life is why am I here? What has God sent me to do? That now guides all the decisions you're making. If not, you stand before God. And then what you just have is out of point. In the marking scheme, you were not even near there. Because you were pursuing something and immediately that pursuit is wrong. Every other thing that follows it will go wrong. That's why you must spend time with God so He shows you who you are. And then you become confident in that. You become confident in that. When you're doing that, you know this is what God has called me to do. Challenges will come, trials will come, but in this that you've called me to do, I know that you will resource me. You will provide for me. You will guide me and you will lead me. Glory to God. Right. So, love one another. People's attitude, response, action towards us must never determine our love for them. The word of God must be the basis for our love. People will hurt us. People will talk bad about us. People will backbite us. But we love them. Is it easy? It's not easy. But the word of God tells us that. So we walk in love. You know sometimes walking in love will make you look weak. But in your weakness, his strength is revealed. Glory to God. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Romans 5.5 5, For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. So this love is from the Holy Spirit. This love is from the Holy Spirit. We must constantly evaluate our relationships in the light of the above scriptures. Okay? So you read that. Let's look at fellowship and then we can wrap up. So you read, you have the manual, so read all of that. Read the contemplative prayers and all that by Andrew Murray. Let's look at fellowship and we'll pick up from here. Christianity is a communion of faith. The church is basically described as a family unit, a body. It was never designed to be an organization of isolated individuals. We are a community. We are a faith-based community. We are called the household of faith, the family of God. Do we still have joy attending fellowship meetings on Sunday morning? Or Sunday mornings have become rituals? Do we long to be among the brethren like David? Are we glad when it's time to go to the house of the Lord at the assembly of the saints? Do we see it as a time of being built up spiritually or just part of our weekly social routines? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, the HCSB. Not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the, the day drawing in. Don't stay away from meetings. Don't have the habit of staying away from meetings. Let me tell you something. You know, sometimes it's a bit difficult when you say this because, oh, it's because you're the pastor. No. No. You know, for many years, many years, many years in my life, 
I don't travel on Sunday. Even when I was not a pastor. If a journey will fall on a Sunday morning, I would rather shift it. You know what would happen? I'll go to church. I feel, I feel very awkward traveling. I've gone to nations to preach where I could... I mean, I remember the last time I traveled, I could come back on a Saturday, and then on Sunday I'll be flying. I would pay two extra just to fellowship. There's something about being in the gathering of the saints. Don't miss fellowship. See, let your fellowship days be sacred to you. We say this all the time. The Muslims have been able to achieve that. You everywhere you go on Friday, they know they have to be in the mosque. Their shops are closed. Even those who are filling stations. Hmm? If you drive in there, when is the time for prayer? What will they do? Nobody will attend to you. But for us as believers, some of us have our own businesses. We cannot shut it down to be in, the, in, in church. To fellowship. You face appointment Sunday morning. What are you looking for? Money. So where is it? You know, sometimes you have to ask yourself, this thing I'm pursuing for these many years, where, where have I gone with it? He said, don't, don't have that habit. Not abandoning our own meetings as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. You know, if, if we had read this today, we say, oh, the pastor was talking about me. No. No. Even way back, people had this habit. It's not a new problem. Make time to be in meetings. Fellowship with the saints. Don't be an isolated believer. Let other things not take your time, not take your priority. Especially, we are in a ministry where we don't do a lot of programs. We have two meetings in a week, Sunday and Wednesday. We hardly even have conferences. Hmm? No all nights. But yet, those two hours that we spend, some of you still find every reason to be absent. Every, you, the reason just have to come. Hmm? You, that is, any little thing is an excuse not to show up. Ah, as I was coming, the sun was shining so bright. The way the sun is shining, the way the sun is shining, it will rain. I've understood the sun in this body. It's not that it's raining, though. You have, you have studied the sun to know that the sun is shining like it will rain and you don't have umbrella, so you just stay back. Wise man. Hmm? I don't have clothes. As if when you come, the ushers will tell you yes. No, you cannot enter. No. I don't have offering. As if we say, everybody, raise your offering up. Show us. You know, it's flimsy excuses. We have a bus that takes people. All you have to do is pay your transport to church. Still. Some of you, it's the business God gave to you. Hmm? God has blessed you now. It was there. I flipped past it when I was... I wanted to read it, but I flipped past it. Hmm? Moses said, Jesh or Rome, God has made you fat. Now you are kicking against God. That's how it is. Some of us, the blessings God has given to us is what stops us from fellowshipping with others. But that's not how it is. Remember your first love. Remember when you were excited about coming to church. Remember when you were excited about church meetings, about conferences, about meetings, about showing up in church. Not just showing up, being actively involved in getting something done. At the end of our life, when we have served all our companies and served everybody, served our businesses. Hmm? In our old age, we will not carry our bodies to God and give Him the leftover. Why not use your strength to serve God? Why not use your youthful age to serve the Lord? Acts 2.42 And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Acts 27 And the first day of the week when the disciples came together, came together, came together. 1 Corinthians 5.4 In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, the church was designed for us to have a gathering. Psalm 122 I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. There must be joy when we come to the house of the Lord. Amen. 
Reevaluate your priorities. When we have meetings, we have specific meetings. Make yourself available. We say we have a men's meeting. Show up. Learn. It'll help you. When we say we have a ladies' meeting, show up. Midweek service, be part of it. Okay? Sunday uh, services, make up your mind. We've got two services. You've got options. Be here. Show up. Not just show up. Get involved. Get involved. This is your father's house. Praise the name of the Lord. Be excited about serving God. Let that excitement come back again. Don't just let Christianity just be part of your social... No. Make it part of your life. Hallelujah. Let's, Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that these words will be sealed in our hearts. It is tells to greater heights in you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. Alright. Uh, just give me a moment. Praise God. Alright, let's let's give to the Lord. Let's give to the Lord. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email. Info at pastormax.ng or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.